We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Bumper podcast this week as we celebrate West Ham United 2, Newcastle United 3. Three points and three lovely goals for Steve Bruce's boys. you got Alex Hurst, Simon Campbell, Ben Wade here at True Faith headquarters in Gosforth. In the capital city of United Kingdom, we have Chris Shipman, Charlotte Robson, who are our attendees in the away end at the weekend. And we're going to get right into this game, the context of it, how we got there, how much it matters. We're going to be positive, we're going to be negative. But first of all, we're going to go to Chris Shipman and we're going to say, Chris, how was your day? It was quite a roller coaster, wasn't it? Um, I think going into it, we were all, well, I think fair to say, unsure of what to expect from it. Uh, a bit of pessimism, a bit of kind of unsureness, I think. Uh, and then when we went in into the grounds, you know, it all kind of uh, all came together. Uh, that first half was absolutely fantastic. Um, we went in two goals up and then came out again and got the third uh, before proceeding to kind of fall apart. Uh, a little bit there um, but ultimately at the end you know the three points and just sheer relief um, those that listen to the Manchester podcast will be able to hear Charlotte's tears at full time uh, as we uh, we kind of uh, got there finally um, and then yeah just at this point I guess a shout out to West Ham's ground um, surely one of the crappiest stadiums in the Premier League I think we're four or five miles away uh, from where we were watching it um, and a lot of flat caps I think. But yeah, ultimately a huge win, uh, even if kind of a lot closer than we were hoping for. Um, and at the end of the day, day, I went to a fireworks play. And it was very nice to see Greenwich Council celebrating Newcastle's win in the capital with a gigantic firework display on Blackheath. Three cheers for Greenwich Council. Not the first three cheers today. Um, Charlotte, just I've listened to the Match Day podcast, which is available for our patrons who keep this podcast free of charge and get loads of other Newcastle United content. Charlotte, were you in tears? Was it tears of joy or was it tears because a man put his mouth, his hand in your mouth when we scored? <laughs> right. I wasn't like... It wasn't me for the record. <laughs> to be clear, I wasn't sobbing or like in insane. I just... The last five minutes was extremely tense. So I felt very, uh, like, I don't know, tightly wound when the full-time whistle went. Uh, a man did put his grubby hand in my mouth. Grubby. I think you missed the word grubby. Um, he didn't mean to. He hugged Chris um, when we scored our first goal and his fingers went in my mouth. <laughs> and it was it was horrible. <laughs> I, I'm quite funny about... Jim, I hate them, uh, and and I was nearly sick. 
Drink so, some drink some Actaman or something. I don't know. Uh, get some bleach. good bacteria back in there. Loads of bleach. Bleach. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saving the bleach for this season. <laughs> if we go down, um, Charlotte, you 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 obviously you, you've just said you were with Chris in that away end, full of three thousand happy mags. I want to talk to you, and we're still at the start of this podcast. So I want to talk to you about our flying Frenchman. We've had a few over the years, but probably none as as rapid as as Steve Bruce calls him, Alan. Um, Saint Maxi man, um, big Alan. Um, what what do you want to say about this guy to the listeners? Oh my god, I love him. I I, I kept saying it throughout the game on Saturday. I was like, look at him. I just love him. Um, he's so speedy. He, I mean, right. It's sh- like context is everything here. West Ham were absolutely shocking on Saturday. They were wide open and we were getting the ball very, very easily. Um, but Alan, Alan, just Alan, Alan San Maximan was just so fast getting the ball up the pitch and like just brought so much entertainment and, and, and pace to our side. And um, I think, you know, He's he's not clinical. He does he didn't we, we saw later on in the match he had a really good opportunity to score and he and it sort of looked like he bottled it a little bit and passed the ball. But I think he he, he worried West Ham quite a lot on Saturday, which was just very pleasing to see given we've we've been calling out on this podcast and, and privately at home alone um for pace on our side and he's now he's getting back to Sort of full fitness I think he's just a really entertaining and brilliant player and I mean he that's you know Alan Shearer put him in his is like players of the week thing on on match of the day and um and then on his character as well I just think he jumped over the barrier and gave his shirt to a fan at the end of the game I just thought I just really like him Ben say any thoughts on on big Alan yeah, I would agree with that assessment, Charlotte. I think he's a really exciting breath of fresh air in the team. We haven't really had a, a, fla- a decent flair player for, for a good few years now, and it's really nice to see. Um, and I, I think you're absolutely right about his character. He's been having loads of banter on a, on Instagram over the weekend about his fantasy football points and stuff. And it just, it just seems like he's he gets it. He, he's, he's on the same level as football fans, and that's a massive bonus for for any for any football player in a in a in a world where they're so far apart from from the supporters in terms of the money they earn and everything else. It's nice to see him kind of be on the same level as, as the supporters. He's a modern day sportsman that with, with loves his social media, pushing his sort of, his, his own agenda, like selling himself for every opportunity you, and stuff with his headbands and all that. I mean, it's probably, wouldn't be surprised to see them flogging a few. Uh, but it's, it's social media stuff seems natural. It's not like, you know, a forced PR pattern. It just seems to be him just having crack, which, mm. is, which is meant. Sports personality of the air should be for people like this, not, not some boring Ryan Giggs cunt, just, you know. <laughs> Wow, gosh! You're listening, Ryan. Um, nah, I'm, try- I'm not going to be negative about Newcastle, so I'm going to pick some other targets tonight. It's it's um it is nice. So it's, it's it's interesting. So I mean, I remember talking on a podcast a few years ago talking about how you couldn't really identify when any of the team, um, and there was nobody really that you, you rooted for. And then here's a guy that plays with his heart on his sleeve and and looks like he actually cares, like he wants to play for the club, like wants to be liked by the fans and. And it sort of shares those moments with us, and that the scenes at the end when he goes and jumps into the um, in, into the um, away end. It's, it's it's nice to have players like that. We've probably not had anyone sort of like that since probably 
Jonas or someone like that, you know, like it's nice to have someone that's that passionate about it. The last he play- got an absolute roar as well. He got an absolute roar. The last play I can remember removing clothes and jumping into a win was <laughs> Lauren Robert at the end of the 2004 5 season. But he um, removed a lot of clothes that day. Yeah, this, is a, this is a child friendly show apart from Simon Campbell's expletives. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Chris, I suppose final word to you then on, on his performance. I mean, he's one of those players that is, is starting to look absolutely integral to this side. I'm, I'm kind of thinking, you know, people might say 20 million would be a bargain if he could get, you know, five goals across the season, which seems a little bit, you know, I mean, he might get better and he might say, get fit. I'd hope for more than that. but You'd hope for more, but if he does start scoring 10 goals plus a season, he's going to be worth 60, 70 million quid, surely, at his age as well. Would yeah. you agree, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's incredibly exciting and um, he's just he's just a player that you, once he gets on the ball, he was, he was skinning people. He was trying to, uh, flick it over his head at one point, which didn't c- come off, but that was when we were three 0 up. Just the sheer confidence and bravado of him uh, is amazing. And given the absolute shit that we've had to put up with for the last few years um, under Mike Ashley, you know, it's just really, um, it's why you go to football. It's really heartening. Um, and yeah, I very much enjoy it, and I'm, I'm looking forward, hopefully, to seeing more of that through the rest of the season. Hopefully, with a few more goals and assists on the top as well. It is nice to have a player that's it's got real flair and, and, and skill. Um, I mean, it, it's we've not had someone who can carry the ball as well as that probably since Ben Arthur. Um and he literally has the ability to to beat three or four players on his own and and, and look dangerous. And you got players like that, it's, it makes other teams uncomfortable. We already said it before about West Ham just couldn't handle him. It puts a lot of pressure on on teams, especially in this day and age where everything's so tactically. Um, adept everyone's got the positions everyone knows what positions to be in and, and sort of that side of the game to have someone that can just tear that up and, and basically pull someone out of the formation single-handedly is, is a massive weapon to have so um he's a massive breath breath of fresh air and and obviously hopefully as he grows more accustomed to the league and, and the team around him and whatnot we'll, we'll see a lot more having see him having a lot more impact on games going forward just I, think the, I think the comparisons to Ben Arthur are entirely warranted. I think just the one thing I hope is when we reflect on this in two or three years' time, he doesn't go down the route that Ben Arthur uh, went down uh, immediately after being with us. Uh, being on loan to Hull City for Alan Sir Maximan would be a real uh, real shame. So it's just I hope that he harnesses this and goes on to, to big things. Yeah, I mean, he came with the the sort of preconception that he was a bit of a Ben Arthur character, a bit of a difficult uh, personality to manage. I'm not seeing that yet. He, he seems like he's, he's hot in it. He's, he's really a prick, but Ben Arthur did as well when he when he first came. Uh, I think the comparisons with Ben Arthur can only really start, though, if he starts scoring a few goals. Ben Arthur could, could hit a fucking shot, and he was really, really potent in front of goal. So There's those expletives again. Sorry. <laughs> we, need, um, we need a few goals out of him before we can start comparing him, because Ben Arthur is literally one of the best footballers I've, I've ever watched live. I get what you're saying, Chris and Sai, about you know I'm going down that Ben Arthur route. But if he did go down the Ben Arthur route um, off the pitch, it would be Newcastle United's loss for Chicken Cottages game. And, uh, <laughs> at the edge of Chicago Town, they'll be absolutely rubbing their hands at that kind of custom once again. Um, yeah, just just last one. We'll, we'll have to move on. We've got loads to get through. Um, I swear we did a Patreon podcast this summer, and someone said that the, their ideal player would be a mixture. Of Ben Ar- like Ben Arthur's skill and talent with Gabby Obertan's pace and, <laughs> yeah. and like intellectual ability with all his degrees from university. And Alan St. Maximan might be on the way. Someone get him signed up at Northumbria. Economics <laughs> or something. Um, right, Si, you're here. Um, that you, you know, our patrons have been talking about you this year. 
with your negativity. Um, can, can you provide some context to this result? Because I'll put to you, I'll put to you, Sai, that some people, like yourself, said, and I quote, you won't win a game. You will not win a game. And when we won a game, you were like, well, that's it. We're not going to get that lucky again. We sit here, and I don't think anyone on this podcast or anyone listening is going to proclaim that Steve Bruce is potentially the long-term solution. But he sat here, four points clear of the relegation zone, 12 points after 11 games, which would put up, put on to a, a reasonable finish in the Premier League. Will you accept that even if you still think he's the wrong man and even if you still think there's trouble ahead, do you think he has already exceeded not just yourself, but the biggest sceptic's uh, lowest expectations? Mm. He's exceeding expectations, absolutely, because my expectations were and probably still are relegation at this point in time. Um Keeping it keeping it positive though, you have, you have to give him credit. Yes, twelve points after the start of the season we've had is is, is decent. We're not in one in bad shape, even though we've won three games by one goal. There's still some concerns there. You know, this is the first football match we've genuinely deserved to win, and I think three two on this occasion was probably not a fair reflection on the game. We we, we battered them and should have scored several more goals, and we we got sloppy in the last twenty minutes and, and actually could have been punished. But we we deserved to win that game, and that was a much more encouraging footballing performance from the team. Uh, what's interesting about the league table this season is how tight the league is. It's mental. We're, we're four points or five if you give us goal difference over Southampton because they've got such bad goal difference. Um, four points or five from the relegation zone. We're also five points behind Arsenal in fifth place. That's how tight the league is. Like It's it's crazy. So it's going to be one of those seasons where a couple of wins is going to jump you like 10 places in the league. And we look like, especially based on um, and, and kind of how we got going in that game on, on Saturday, a, a confidence team. So if if we can get a bit of a run together, I'm sure we can we can maintain it without that much input from the manager. And that's, that's not me having a go at Steve Bruce. He's found something. He should just stick to it. He doesn't need to try and be clever. He's got some plays. He's, he's found a system that works. Now he's just got to try and keep it going. Try and get the results coming in. So yes, um, I'm a little bit more optimistic than I than I have been all season based on that that performance on Saturday. So he's doing better than than I ever thought he could do. And I'm sure that's the same for most people. Very cheers for Steve Bruce. Uh, ben, you're going to say something. No, it's just to echo that. I think um, we. I mean, if 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 we'd have <clears throat> we're starting on that road now. I mean, obviously the last last couple of years, it's it's sort of been the November time where the, the squads come alive and start to pick up points. So, um, all credit to Steve, but equally, I think the players as well are probably getting into the groove and, and their their sort of season starting to pick up as well. You were obviously seeing a few of the squad players come in, Fernandez and Clark come in and, and have massive impacts. Um, contributed to, to three or four goals already this season. So it's, it's really, really important not to just go and lose against Bournemouth. Now we need at least a point. We need to we need to put a run together. It's not, it's not okay to just keep picking up the odd win that keeps you keeps you breathing. It needs to be more than that. We can't just be sitting on the on the edge of the relegation zone all season because I don't think we're we're strong enough that if we get hit by a couple of injuries in April, say we would be fucked. So we need to mm-hmm. keep ourselves in a really comfortable position and we've got the opportunity to do that now we've got a confident team with some nice fixtures ahead in the next you know run up to Christmas basically he's got to start getting some, some points on the board we are a really streaky team though I mean as I say for years we would go on these runs and I mean we used to joke about Pardew sort of three a couple of months of the year where we would basically win every game and um, but that that trend has carried on even through the, through the last couple of managers and uh, I think it's just the sort of make up with the team as you say with with confidence when they get a bit of confidence they build and build and, and become and can look like great great Premier League standard players and then it sort of <laughs> whether whether it drops off or not I think that's going to be the biggest challenge is maintaining that because we've seen in the past um, when we're struggling we're, we look really really poor um, and we've just got to got to avoid sort of slipping into a to a pattern where 
Um, as you say, the wheels turn off. I'd, I'd be much happier. I mean, even if, as you say, even if we just pick up a point from Bournemouth, it's just a case of keep keeping things going. And especially as you say, with how tight it is, points become even more important than than sort of just expecting to to win a draw or whatever. If you if you can pick up a few draws, I think with um, rather than defeats, it'll be important. After that Leicester debacle, if you'd have said we'd get seven points from Man United, Chelsea, Wolves, and West Ham. I'd, I wouldn't have believed you. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a quite magnificent return. Um, the next four are Bournemouth at home. Bournemouth are in decent form. Um, Villa away, which, I, you know, I think me and Norman are doing a, a kind of relegation picture full pod this week for previews. Should be out tomorrow night for previews for patrons. Um, and, you know, we're, looked at, we're above Villa in the league. Villa have had so much smoke blowing up their arses this season. We're above them in the league, which seems a bit surreal. Now, it can change very quickly because of Cy quite rightly said, the compact nature of that middle bit of the league. But, you know, to get, you know, after after Villa, we've got Man City at home, which is, you know, normally a cast-iron defeat for most teams. You never know because we, we have never <laughs> known and all that kind of stuff. And then we have Sheffield United away, which is a which is at the moment is a really hard game because they're sixth. So if we were to get seven points out of that again from those four games, I don't think we will. But if that would put us in a real strong position going forwards, and that's what this result has done, it's completely changed the narrative of not just this podcast, obviously, because we are trying to represent what you, the listeners, are thinking and the conversations you're having. It it puts a complete different slant on the season. And if we get relegated, and if it goes wrong, th- there are always moments. You know, I think it's um, it's it's. I was looking at nufc.com today and. First of all, it's a year to the day since we beat Watford last season, first run of the season, as you're referencing there, Ben, when we tend to get a bit of upturn of form. Um, it's also, it, it was on this day we beat Villa at home in the 08-9 relegation season where Martin scored twice and played the game of his life, and that took us out of the relegation zone and we, and we, we just we went backwards after that, do you know what I mean? So this is a great chance, like you correctly said, let's go to Bournemouth. Um, you know, Chris and Charlotte are going to have a full preview for you this week with Adam for patrons. Let's go to Bournemouth and let's win that game um, because... That that almost that gives you the breathing space for Villa and Man City, which are two very difficult games. That even if you have a man both games, chances are we won't find myself in the relegation zone. So, crucial time of the season coming up. Uh, Charlotte, I want to talk to you a little bit about the manager. Um, Sai giving him a bit of praise there for the first time this season, and that's fair enough. I think you know we will obviously if he wins games, he will continue to t- turn people around. That's that's kind of goes without saying. Um, you were in the away end. He kind of for the first time this season came across to the away end and had what looked like a moment. Um you know what what did who, that who was he offering to fight? <laughs> did uh <laughs> did uh, did that mean a lot to you and when you heard his post game comments did it kind of are you starting to become team Bruce? I think I've got a long way to go to be team Bruce. Um I think I think you know his post match comments have have riled up a few people. Um he said, you know, hopefully in time with results, um, we'll get behind him like we did with Rafa. Um, and 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 people are sort of like, give it a rest about Rafa. But then, to be fair, I still talk about Rafa all the time. So, I mean, I can't really blame him for that. I don't know that... Um, I don't know that I'm, yeah, fully on his team yet. I certainly have a degree of sympathy for him, which probably isn't the ideal position to be in. Um, with our manager, but uh, it, it's a hard, it's a hard job, and we're doing better than I thought we would would be doing at this point in the season. So, um, I don't know that we have fallen for him as a as a supporters, but um, 
But, you know, I'm definitely not as cynical about him. I think we've got enough talent on our side um, to to get through. I think I probably, I mean, Sai still thinks we're going to get relegated. I think if we continue along this route, I don't think, I think we'll hover, but I don't think we'll be relegated. And, you know, he has a part to play in that. So some credit where it's due, but... I'm not fully, I'm not going to get his name tattooed on quite yet. Well, there's, there's an interesting one for later in the season when we're March to 8th <laughs> and win the FA Cup. Um, we'll do a listener poll. Which part of Charlotte's body do you want Steve Bruce written? And and what would the tattoo be? Would it be kind of Steve looking pensively into the distance or would it just be Steve and Bruce? Or I'm going to get Steve's face on my face. Why, why I mean, st- to be fair, it wouldn't it wouldn't be the first time someone on this podcast has promised to get a Newcastle related tattoo of something improbable happening. Um, what not? That's Norman. Oh right. <laughs> why? We, we, said, we, we, I think if we beat City, Norman said last season he would get a tattoo. <laughs> to Still be, waiting. To be fair, I think Norman already has a Newcastle tattoo, so he's probably got had that one in the bank. Um, <laughs> we could all get our individual an individual Steve as well. Why does it just have to be Bruce? Could be one of the three. Um, oh, yeah. Not true. putting myself forward for that one, obviously. Plenty of Steve's to go around. Yeah, just on just on Steve Bruce, Chris, um, you know, again, you, you were in the away, and that, that's the first time, I think, that I don't know whether he did it at Spurs, actually, that, that Bruce almost did, did a raffer at the end of the game and kind of went across and took the adulation of the crowd. Was, was it quite a, a warm reception for the big man? I think it was fairly warm, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think definitely people are suspending a bit more judgment until further through the season. Um, but yeah, he did get a pretty pretty warm reception. But I think more than for him, it was for the collective performance um, of the team. Um, and, you know, I would hope that Steve Bruce has enough self-awareness to, to realise that Rafa really earned that adulation. Uh, and maybe by the fact that he keeps referencing him, there is a bit of that self-awareness there. Um, but yeah, I think we'll, we'll suspend... Uh, you know the kind of proper adulation for when it's properly deserved. I think I think it wasn't. I don't think it's self awareness. I think it's like insecurity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And also, I mean, does that I explain why he came we and put his gobby fingers in your hands or fingers in your hands? In your mouth, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's wrong. Um, also, I don't know that um, that we were that warm to him. I think you know he came across with some of the players, and I think. The warmth that we were spreading at the London Stadium was more for the players, but maybe that was just me. No, no, that's that's what I just said. All good. Okay, Ben. You know the relegation picture. I was shocked, shocked to see that all four points clear. You know we were very negative on last week's podcast with George Colgan, and at one point you were suggesting Emmerdale to talk, talk about. Um, you know. How do you see the relegation picture going? A lot, one of the things that a lot of fans, myself included, have said is can we find three worse teams than us this season? Have we found them with the current bottom can, three? Can I just come in there? Because I think we, we said at the start of the season that the, the Premier League table normally settles in, a, in November. It absolutely hasn't. The league's all over the place at the minute. You've got like Sheffield, Crystal Palace, Brighton all in like the top nine. Um, Bournemouth up there as well. They probably stay up. You've got Spurs in the bottom half. You've got Everton on, uh, in 17th. Like, I have no idea how that league table is going to look come the end of the season. When normally by this stage in the season, you, you've got a bit of a picture, you can see where it's going. But it's it's really bizarre the Premier League this season. Go on, Ben, try and answer the question about relegation. <laughs> I mean, I, I think there's, there's definitely a few contenders in there. Um, 
I mean, that that's the thing. I mean, what you've just said there epitomizes the whole thing. It's it's been so inconsistent across the league. I mean, you look at, for example, Man U. Obviously, um, we beat them. We were saying it's probably the worst Man U team we've seen in a long time, and then all of a sudden they have a few results go their way, um, and 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 then they go and lose to Bournemouth again at the weekend. And it's just it's so inconsistent. You've all already mentioned there, Spurs exactly the same. They've had some really bizarre results and <clears throat> really, really struggling. West West Ham, a typical side, can look brilliant. I mean, people touting them to be one of the teams to potentially break into the top six, even top four, I've heard. But then on, on the face of it, we've just battered them away at home, at their home ground, um, and, and could have put four or five, possibly more, past them. So it, there's, there's, it's just such a, an open an open season that um, there's not really any teams that you would say are defensively solid. I mean, maybe we're one of the few ones you would say we've sort of got a decent defensive record, but there seem to be a lot more open teams. Um, I mean, it's an interesting one. I suppose it's, it's probably a podcast around the time. I mean, the, the level of, of sort of the, the man- managerial appointments, I guess that probably more teams have gone for more expansive managers, the likes of Pochettino, Silva, things like that. Um, I guess that that can come back to bite you when you you sort of come into teams like the likes of Burnley and, and ourselves that probably don't play so much football. Um, if if you're on a, an off day, they they will punish you. So um, it's it's going to be it, as Sai says because it's so close. I think it's going to go go right to the end. I mean, we've had a couple of seasons the last few years where there's not been many points in it. Um, I mean, you look at the table at the minute. You've got your bottom three of Watford on five points, Norwich on seven, Southampton on eight. I mean, Southampton look shocking. And yet they've accumulated three more points than Watford up to this point, um, including nine nil defeat where they the basically just gave up. Um, I would say Southampton are probably looking like one of the worst teams. Watford on on paper have not got a bad team, and um, I mean the, the the game against us obviously we can reference that we we got a point against them. Um, at times they looked okay, um, but but then again they they, they lacked that sort of cut an edge and, and miss some chances I mean they've still got the likes of Dini to come back for them so they've, they've got a bit of potential to pick up but um, yeah to, to answer the question I think yes the, I, I believe there is three three worst teams than us um, because I, I believe we've got that defensive stability and if we can get the front three firing a bit we've those front three have the potential to do a lot more than, than some of the other teams uh, sort of uh, firepower that they've got so um, yes at this minute I think I'm looking I'm feeling a lot more positive about, about us staying up. Good to hear. And, and yeah, me and Norman are going, going to go into this quite a lot, look at some of the fixtures to come as well. But for, for Southampton, and I mean, Norwich especially, looking at the goal differences of those three sides, and like you say, Southampton and Watford have both had an absolute chaplain. Mm-hmm. So that might you know sway it somewhat. But then so have we at Leicester. Yeah. And for, the, for those three to be so much worse goal difference-wise than the rest of the league just suggests that they just concede too many goals. Certainly our um, home game after Man City, so we've got Bournemouth, Man City, and then Southampton at home. That's a big game in December. That's a big game. Um, I mean, Watford have got the worst goal difference, actually, minus 17. Yeah, well, it's a well, joint, t- joint, joint himself, yeah. Think, Yeah, um, yeah I, I want to move, move on, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about uh, more about the specifics of, of Saturday's game. Um, one player I want to talk about is John Joe Shelby. Bit of a homecoming from uh, in East London. I thought he was excellent all game. And the funny thing about John Joe is, um, number one, he was involved in everything. So that's not funny, but that's a fact. But he was involved, you know, he, he put the ball in for the first goal. Uh, he had a shot which hit the bar. Um, he, you know, was he, crucial all game to kind of link and play and, and relieving pressure. But I put a tweet out after the Wolves game saying, 
for me it was madness not to bring John Joe Shelby and Dwight Gale on against Wolves who were pushing so high up the pitch all that space in behind Mark, the long staffs couldn't get a foot on the ball and they, they were clearly getting more frustrated and loads of people were, John Joe Shelby he's fucking shite he's absolutely hopeless he's this he's that never has there been a player who seems to change the opinion of Newcastle fans week by week John Joe Shelby he can look like the worst kind of lazy uninspired unprofessional overweight footballer and then he comes and runs the game and is, is probably one of the best players in the pitch certainly midfield if only he could play West Ham every week he'd, he'd be <laughs> worth like 100 million that's, that's the thing isn't it it's, it, he's totally d- dependent on the opposition like yes. West Ham were just sitting off they're just letting him do what he wanted with the ball Sorry, and let's, Tower, let's call him out it's Mark Noble <laughs> <laughs> anyway in joke there um, yeah, which is uh, why you want the podcast I, Shelby was class and, and we all know how good at football he is when, when he's doing the right things and the right things are picking the ball up in the in and around the halfway line, in their half, causing problems and, and play, not playing 70-yard passes, playing 30-yard passes, you know, linking up the play. Um, I think I thought Steve Bruce's post-match comments were a bit bizarre about Shelby because he seemed to dwell far too much on the fact that he was a West Ham lad. And like, that was the reason he picked him. It's like, no, just give yourself some credit and say, I thought this was the game where he could make a difference, but instead he talked about him being from West Ham and that was a big factor in what he was picking. John, John Joe Shelby, just, a, a massive problem for Steve Bruce because he's not big enough to be big John Joe and he's not small enough to be little. <laughs> little John so he's, he's, just, he's just thinking, well, what do I call him? Um, but but I, I agree with you there, sir, because I thought, and I said this on our WhatsApp group, I thought was a, a really good selection I thought Mighty Longstaff had probably done what he could for a 19 year old who's hard who you know he's he played a handful of games his whole career at, at any kind of competitive level and I thought he was maybe a little bit the game passed him by a little bit against Wolves that want to be too harsh um, and he can definitely play a big role for us this season but I don't think he should be playing every single week week in week out in this in this league in a, a team that's been struggling and um, you know Bruce has got a lot of selections right he got you know he got the big ones right with Clark and Longstaff Mighty Longstaff against Man United you got Fernandez spot on, bringing him back. It had a dummit against Wolves, and well, of course he's picked our top scorer for this game, <laughs> Kieran Clark, <laughs> John Joe Shelby. Now, yeah. um, so so Bruce is is making the right calls, and and fair play from that, and, and bringing Shelby in was excellent. Shelby's problem, I feel, is is when you do what Brighton did to him. So when a team decides, right, we're just going to press you. He, he's hopeless unless he thinks right okay you're going to press me so, so I'm going to play further forwards like you absolutely spot on there Si what did we what did we enjoy seeing from him this weekend putting balls in the box um, having shots outside the box can't do that when you're picking the ball up off Paul Dummett on the edge of our box trying to find DeAndre Yedlin with a 100 yard pass um, funnily enough like you say uh, his best his other best performance for me apart from maybe Man United at home when we beat them 1-0 um under Rafa was um, his home debut against West Ham under McLaren. We beat him two one. Um, right. He was absolutely sensational that day. Uh, so, yeah, three. I mean, it, it's one of the, the important, the, the interesting things. I think with Shelby's, he has got. You would say, and we've always said, he's probably one of the most gifted players in the team. He's got the most technical, one of the most technical um, abilities. Um, and you do feel like he, I, I don't know. I, 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 I guess a lot of his performances. He must almost feel like I've got to put like carry other people here, the likes of you say Dummett, in terms of he, he drops into the back four a lot or the back three or whatever we're playing at the time is and and um we'll we'll literally take the ball and, and try and do everything and, and that negates massively from his, his his performances. And as you say, he's he's played that role before, or just off the strikers or a bit further forward. And it I guess we haven't really seen him do that enough at, at Newcastle United. And I guess that's probably one of the positions where um as you say, if he is gonna to continue to play um, we we'll probably need a bit more of it because we can't. We play such a defensive um, formation 
Um, we can't afford to have everybody sitting so deep. And especially as you say, he's been found out in a couple of games where they've they've pinpointed him and, and just basically man marked him out of the game. Um, then he needs to to adapt to, to change his game to then sort of use that against against the opposition. As you say, he did that that did that brilliantly over the weekend. Chris, in, in terms of the game, obviously the dream first half of the dream first 60 minutes you know three goals um countless chances to to put the game a bit to bed but you know there was a a big social media commentary and i've spoken to a few people today and at work and that who are like christ i thought would bottle that you know is it that relevant what happened in the last 20 minutes and, and why do you think it happened I think it is relevant and the reason that I think it happened and I think the thing that it's reflective of is the collectively fragile psychology of the team. You know, this is a this is a, a club that can be neurotic uh, at, at any point and I think that second half performance, um, you know, was, was reflective of that kind of mental fragility which, to be honest, I think I can understand given the upheaval in the summer, what happened with Rafa, that kind of long kind of drawn out protracted situation around would he stay would he go um and then obviously steve bruce coming in um but you would hope that steve bruce with his fabled man motivation um skills that we've heard so much about would really kind of focus on the positives and there, there were a huge amount of positives obviously three goals um and some fantastic individual performances you mentioned shelby you know a player that you would hope that he puts his arm around and really kind of, uh, you know, motivates him to kind of continue that that real positive performance into uh, the next couple of games. Uh, and first and foremost, that Bournemouth game on the weekend is going to be huge, and it'll be interesting to see if Shelby appears then. Um, but then, kind of further up the pitch, you've got the the front three who all, you know, had fantastic games. Um, you know, none of them scored, but Jillian's got an assist, and I think you know that has to be a positive. Almiron was so unlucky not to score and I think has gone pretty much the closest uh, he's gone in a long time, definitely this, this season. Um, and, you know, I, I said on the on the match day from the stands that what does this kid have to do to, st- to score? But, um, yeah, nearly bottled it, but uh, managed to kind of to, to, to see it out just about. Um, and, yeah, you'll hope that he'll kind of focus on, on the positives from that. If I can butt in. Please do. <laughs> Um, I think it is important that last 15 minutes or so, given we conceded two goals and then it was really hairy for the last five minutes, because even though we'd been really good and dominated the game pretty much the whole time, we looked really tired by that point, like particularly Willems, who looked like he was begging to be subbed off at one point. Mm. Like we were like so good. And, you know, it did, obviously we did hang on to it, but uh, like it exhausted our side. Like, and and I don't, I mean, obviously we've got, we have Atsu who came on and Dimit and, um, you know, we have options there to put fresh legs on the pitch, but, but sort of playing that well seemed to be completely exhausting for our side. For what yeah, I think... Sorry, can I just uh, just talking about the subs that came on and Charlotte. This is something that we discussed when we were walking away from the ground. Obviously, he brought uh, Andy Carroll on. Andy Carroll's mentality when he came on seemed to be completely at odds with the situation that we were actually in at the time, which was really under the cosh. And I think I don't know what Steve Bruce said to him when he when he came on, but Andy Carroll's demeanour when he came on seemed to be of the kind of ilk that oh, you know, we're just kind of we're playing for time here. And he was caught napping on a couple of occasions and. 
it just was completely out of whack with what the reality of the situation was, which was a backs to the wall. We need to kind of stay in this and just shut them out. Um, fortunately, we got over the line. But yeah, he did seem kind of to, to lack a bit of kind of impetus there when he came on. I, I thought it was mental bringing Carroll on. Um, I don't really know. Obviously, Joe Linton will be tired. And Charlotte, you are spot on because I think West Ham had 66 or 68% of possession at the end of it. And playing without the ball is incredibly tiring. You have to com- you completely moving and switching position and pressing and chasing it is very tiring um the one criticism i have for the manager for this game and he, he's had a good week and a good couple of weeks really um is that he, he doesn't seem to want to change it until the op- the opposition score it's it's kind of like right well you know everyone could see what was coming again you know bring on bring again muto or gale i don't know if Muto was on the bench and try and get some balls in behind because all game you've had the two wingers Running in behind, which would be which were brilliant and, and worked fantastically well, but you've had Joe Litton constantly, you know, ball kind of to feet or ball to the chest or ball or, or flick ons, rather than stretching the centre backs and those centre backs were able to just push on and push on, and the whole team got deeper. You think and get someone on who can get in behind, but has also got a bit of physicality like Muto and Gale have that they can win free kicks a little bit more mature and experienced than Joe Litton, but he didn't do it. He brought on Andy Carroll for, for, for to me no reason. Sorry, yeah, to come and hold the ball up in his own half, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean that that uh, to defend him a bit though he probably thought Carl would have come on in and would have been a bit more physically imposing obviously against his old side there that's probably 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 felt it was a bit of a score. <laughs> the only thing he knows how to do is like well who's he played who's he played for <laughs> you you paid me millions of pounds for years I'm gonna come and give give you a good yeah one. I think I think the important point out of all this is what Charlotte said about the players looking tired like as you've just said Dodds it's um it's it's a really tiring way to play in, and we had to be at our very best and it's been our best performance so far in the first 45 minutes, but it's not sustainable to, to win games by busting a gut to 60 minutes and then hoping just to hang on for the for the last 30. We'll, we'll get punished in the future. Um, uh, the bigger concern for me, I, I don't think um, we should dwell too much on the two goals on this occasion because we should have been more ahead oh, in this game. Well. They, they, they were, they were really bad. Um, the two goals were, were poor, really poor. Um, we, we What's more concerning for me is our lack of... Um, of clinical finishing, we, we, we've we've played really well, but we've scored three goals from set pieces, yeah. two from our centre halves. Again, our centre halves aren't going to get to ten goals this season. We need one of our front three to start scoring some goals. Um, this this is what I'm done to McLaren. Um, we we had Mitrovic who didn't get the double figures. We had uh, Tovan. We had De Jong at times. Like the, all these players weren't scoring goals either, and that's that's we ended up getting relegated. We, we need some goals from from our attacking players. Um, Cisse was in out the team with injuries. It's it's just it's just too worrying that it still looks too similar to that season. I mean, we smashed Norwich six two at about this time. It was actually my birthday, so a couple of weeks ago, in the same season. So unless we go on to to sort of secure a bit of form here and get the best out of these players in terms of just putting the fucking ball in the net, I'm still worried that we we're not going to be doing enough to win games without more luck. And that's the thing, isn't it? West Ham was so poor. Isn't it? Isn't it a positive? West Ham was so poor for two reasons. If if they could be sucked into the relegation picture by being that bad, great. And also, Wolves were very poor and we couldn't beat them. So if a team are going to be very, very poor against you, you have to be able to put them away. And and that's what teams who are relegated don't do. They don't take the chances. And that was a real chance at the weekend. If we hadn't won that game, it would have been a travesty. Um, yeah, you're totally right, Sian. What concerns me a little bit, but I think it'll come. And it's one of those things, once they get one... If St. Maximan had, had scored a goal this season, he doesn't square that second time. He just smashes it in the net. He's only got someone, one person. By the way, the um, Almiron, you know, when he squares it to Almiron, hilarious. The referee absolutely takes out Cresswell. Watch it again. <laughs> it would have been an assist for the ref. 
Like Gressel's going to go and intercept Amiron, and the referee just turns his back into his face. <laughs> Penalty, red card. If he's one of the players, um, yeah. Gressel's kicking off. So thank God it didn't go in. But some taking some room in fucking Cheshire VAR would be another bit referee infringement. But uh, I would say the Amiron chance was unlucky as well. Like it, it, you know, it's going in. It's it's, it's a good block. Uh, the the first one on one for St Maximan. He's got to do better. It's a it's a really crap finish. Take this in the keep the keep. It was so bad for West Ham. Yeah. Even though he's pulled off three or four crucial saves, he kind of half comes out, and it's yeah. one of those ones where you just just roll it past him. You don't yeah. need to try and put it across him. Yeah. Just literally put it in the corner of the yeah, net. He wasn't, he's, yeah. he's, he's, for some reasons, it's, he's, he's done a rebellion. He's stopped, but for no reason, yeah. rather than actually he, he hated being off the line. I mean, that keeper for Fernandez goal, like, no wonder Cresswell was like, why why have you stopped and done a star jump? Just come and catch the ball. Um, I want to talk about the defence really quickly because even though we conceded two goals, I don't really think you can blame the back five for that. You know, Hayden from the first one. I mean, Hayden had a, a really good game, but for the, you know, he just switched off. It's not acceptable, really. Um, that we had a good game apart from that. Um, Chris, you want to give um, Jetro Willem some love? So here's your chance. I do. Uh, yeah, Charlotte mentioned that he was absolutely uh, blown by the end of it, and yeah, he was he was absolutely shattered and should have come off earlier. But I think that was reflective of the huge graft that he put in. Um, yeah, I was really impressed by him. I thought um, he was pretty solid. I thought he looked pretty calm under quite a lot of pressure. Um, you know, they were, they were stroking the ball around, and by and large, his positioning was really good. And going forward, he was he was fantastic. He got the assist for the Fernandez goal, so I thought he was really good. And then on the other side, uh, DeAndre Yedlin was was uh, pretty good. Had one of his, I think, better games, um, and had a, a goal chalked off, which actually went to VAR. Um, which I was a little bit surprised about. Um, it was quite far away, but I thought it was kind of cl- more clear-cut than maybe it was. Uh, I haven't seen that because I don't think it was on the match of the day highlights. Um, but yeah, I thought both both of them played pretty well. Yeah, and I want to give a shout-out to, um, again, to Fernandes and Clark. I mean, Lascelles was also very good, that has to be said. He's kind of gone another radar a bit this season, but he was he was excellent on Sunday, uh, Saturday. And, um, you know, Fernandes and Clark, goal threats, Fernandez also involved last week in the, with the assist for Lascelles and it's uh, it's looking really difficult to see where Fabian Cher and, and Florian Lejeune get back in at the minute because they're defending so well and it's not, I think you know if, if you look at the first half as a whole it's not just that West Ham were as, as bad as they were it was also the fact that even though West Ham were defensively farcical they didn't create any chances at all and, and we defended really really well we played I thought we played a decent high quite high not you know not catastrophically high but we weren't camped on the edge of our own box in the first half and you saw a couple of decent opportunities for West Ham players, you know, like an overhead kick, but he was so far away from the goal, it's unlikely it would have gone in. So I thought I thought the whole team deserved a lot of credit. Like you say there, Chris, the two full-backs performed really well. I think Willems is one of the finer of the season. I'm going to say we haven't really missed Matt Ritchie in that position. I think Willems is, is such an attacking force. He provided the pass for, for John Joe Shelby to, to hit the bar from. He's always kind of, whenever there's a, there's like an attack, unless it's a counter-attack, whenever there's some sort of Newcastle United attack that goes well, he seems to be integral. It was his ball for Sir Maxman's first um, yeah. breakthrough as well. It, he's a funny character, isn't he? I mean, obviously, we, we, he was giving us kittens in the uh, Man U game when he was up and down that left and just passing the ball to Man U players as... Uh, as we're screaming for him to, to not leave, but he, he does seem to be, um, he's got a bitly on the ball, I mean that, the, the couple of sort of um, moments, obviously Liverpool goal was class, he had a shot last week against Wolves, it was unbelievable, nearly nearly went in, um, so he's got, he has got obviously technical ability, um, I think it's just, he, at times he worries us in terms of, I think he's, his demeanour, he's just a bit too relaxed and a bit too sort of, I don't know. I don't think he'd be a good left back, 
Yeah, but he's a, he's a so far, my opinion is a crack. And but uh, now I, I think he's he's fitting in well. And as it, again, he's another of those players that as he, he gets more used to the to the league and whatnot, he'll he'll develop. I'm sure. But um, he's he's had a good start to his career, and obviously it got off to probably the worst possible start. Obviously after that Arsenal game, but he's really rallied well from that and recovered. And it's not it does, hasn't impacted him. Um, and he, he's grown. He's as you say, he's grown into into the position and. Um, he's. I think the the biggest thing he's got is he, he can do the defensive side and and the attacking side. He, he's quite. He's a good sort of dual threat, I guess. So, um, yeah, he's, it, it's it's nice to have a sort of a, a left back that actually wants to get forward. Well, left wing back. Um, and and sort of he's happy to chip in and do both areas. So yeah, but again, I mean, I think it's we've, we've said a number of times the defense is probably the the strength of this team. And I mean, even with our fifth and sixth choice centre backs playing in the team at the minute. We look solid as ever, and, and I think that's where um, we're gonna. That's where I've got a lot of confidence in this team, and that that I can't see that ever dropping out. We'd have to literally have the injury crisis of all injury crises to ever sort of see that impacted. Um, but it, it's, it's got us in a good shape at the minute. This is where you you are if you if you're kind of glass half full type of person. You're looking at us a lower sixteenth, and although there's been some shockers this season, four points clear relegation. Um, Five points clear, right? Fifteenth or fifteenth? Oh, sorry. <laughs> and the, well, histo- the historians with, with will pull me up on that one in years to come. With, with the goal difference as well. Yeah, with with a not terrible goal difference compared to the bottom three, um, and the likes of Norwich and Watford just not looking like winning the game. Um, you know, you've got Sean Longstaff missing. You've got Matt Ritchie missing. You've got probably the two best centre backs at the club missing. You've got Muto and, and Dwight Gale and Andy Carroll on the bench, who are three, in my opinion, capable forwards at this level. Certainly, in terms of getting you know the same number of goals as as kind of Joe Linton, which is zero. <laughs> but you've got Joe Linton getting better. You've got Simpson. So, so there is kind of an upward trajectory that you can see. In my opinion, you can definitely make the argue for. You can also very much say this is Newcastle United under Steve Bruce. We'll go and get turned over by Bournemouth three 0 at home next week, which is an outside the realms of possibility. I don't think it'll happen. Then you're once again we're sat here bloody thinking, oh fucking hell. Everything shite. <laughs> so that, and that's that's just how it is. Unfortunately, at the minute until we put a sustained period of decent performances together, that was a really good away performance. What we need to see is is a proper functioning normal home performance against Bournemouth next week. Not a kind of let's have twenty percent of the ball and score well, one shot on target type thing, but let's go and beat them. And and you know I thought there was a little bit of hyperbole through the people saying we're great against Wolves in the first half. We're fine. We're all right. We'll play. We're with, we're with the better of the two sides. Um, we should have been further ahead. Rules were that poor, you know. It, it's it's up to the the team and the manager to kind of take us on to that that next level. And you know what? It's it doesn't seem outside the realms of possibility right now that we have a season that's a little bit free of the relegation worry. You know, certainly the last two seasons, well, the last five seasons in the Premier League, pretty much last four anyway, we've been in a relegation battle pretty much all the way through. Um, I'm really hopeful that that's not the case this time and. It's not very sexy, you know. It's not very, you know. It's, you can't shout it from the rooftops. But if we're fifteenth, eight points clear of relegation zone on Christmas Day, happy days for me. That that would be a real successful Stephen uh, season from the manager. <laughs> really Steven. successful Stephen. Steve. Steve's <laughs> on the brain here. It, I'm, it, I'm thinking about what tattoo I'm getting. It's just Steve constantly. <laughs> right, I think that's it. Unless there's any other pressing issues uh, from the weekend that you guys want to talk about. No, I'm all good. All good. All good. Right, you can catch plenty more from us this week. On Patreon, seven quid a month for about 25, 30 extra Newcastle United podcasts. All of what do them keeps this show free. Thanks for listening. See you soon. <laughs>